This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. It is a Friday. You made it to the weekend. Congratulations. Not a uh, just any Friday, by the way. Bienvenido al programa. Felicito de Mayo. Todos nuestros oyentes. All our listeners. Happy Cinco de Mayo. By the way, that is not a, uh, it is not Mexican Independence Day, by the way. <laughs> Celebrating the Battle of Puebla over French in 1862. Independence Day for Mexico is actually in September. But uh, it ends up being a celebration of culture in America. And, and the amazing thing, do you know that it equals, equals the Super Bowl in beer sales in America? Cinco de Mayo. I had no idea. That one surprised me, too. Hmm. So, uh, in other words, have fun tonight when you're out yes. and about. But uh, be smart. Be safe. You know, there's there's taxis, there's ride shares, there's friends. You can also, you know, get a designated driver. Be smart about it. Head on out and have fun, but be smart. So, uh, happy Cinco de Mayo, obviously, for, for everyone uh, listening. And uh, enjoy the celebration, hopefully, with a win over uh, a... <laughs> I'm going to poke a little fun at the NBA's sort of, uh, they're, they're uh, Latin Knights, where the, the Suns are literally just listed as uh, Los Suns. Yeah. <laughs> it always cracks me up when they do that, right? Because it, there's, a, a, a very, there's a Spanish word for sun, and it's really obvious, and a lot of people know it. It's soul, right? So why are they Los Suns? Weird. Very silly. I'm like, sort of halfway there. Come on, NBA. Get it right. <laughs> sort of a strange thing. Then there actually is a word for that. But I think Phoenix has bigger concerns. Uh, they most certainly do. And that would be finding a way to win tonight's game. And I, I think when we look at the way they're going to adjust and adapt, Sandy, what I think we'll see from the Suns tonight, because the truth is they only have two. You've, you've, you've talked about it. It's old first hour. They have two reliable scores. Yeah. Two. Devin and Kevin, in whatever order you want. Well, let's see. It, it, those two, Chris Paul, and a bunch of guys who average three and a half points a game or less, right? Pretty much. Basically, yes. I, I mean, mean it, uh, well, Aiton. So, so, so you have Paul, Aiton, Aiton Booker, and Durant. You have those four who average double figures, and the rest of the roster is three and a half points a game or less. Torrey Craig, in, yes. Uh, and when in the postseason, that's borne out, too. Even in the seven postseason games, it really has. But, yeah, during during the regular season, uh, Cameron Payne did average 10. But everybody else who, playoffs, who averaged 10 or more got traded yeah, to get Kevin right. Durant. That's so exactly when you're right. talking about the postseason. No, they, they the were a pretty well-balanced scoring team yeah. before trading for Durant. And and now they're front-loaded and exceedingly so. Um, you know, they, there have been great tandems in NBA history, but I can't recall a tandem that was relied on almost exclusively to score Make plays with a pass, rebound, and defend. Stockton and Malone. It's the only ones I can think that were that heavy forward. And, and, yeah, and the but Jazz they, never Utah won had one. other players. They did. Yeah, they had a Jeff Hornacek. They had a Thurl Bailey uh, around uh, for a few of those years with Stockton and Malone. 
I mean, they they had much better players. Uh, and eight, eight around, in the postseason is averaging post a double double, fifteen points, fifteen point four, and ten point one. He is averaging a double double. He's a good player. I think he's a top ten center in the league. I don't think he's much higher than that. Aiton, top ten. Yeah, I think if, I think if you look uh, at I the think numbers, it's closer to the middle, fifteen, sixteen. But that's clearly the third best guy they've got by a wide margin. And and in the playoffs, the only other person coming close, uh, Okogi averages four point nine points a game, and Tori Craig averages nine point three. That's because in part he was he's averaged twenty three minutes per game because he played yeah. heavily in the Clippers series against a Clippers team that did not have either of its two best players. Sandy, this feels to me like this is two man game. When you see what yeah. what yeah. Uh, Jamal Murray well, and Nicole Jokic do on the court. You know I what it reminds me of a little bit? Booker and, and Kevin Durant. Ryan, seeing a Weston Baylor and the Lakers in the 1960s. Uh, you know, good enough to win the West a great many times and then get flattened by the Celtics or beaten by the Celtics in the finals. And Weston Baylor are all-time greats. Um Durant's an all-time great, in my opinion. Uh, Booker, not quite yet. <laughs> an all-time no, great. No. Uh, you know, maybe on the verge of, of being a superstar, but probably that it's a little closer to Jamal, than Jamal Murray is to being a superstar, but, but neither is quite at that level yet. Uh, they, they, they play games that suggest that, they can be at that level, mm-hmm. but game in and game out. I mean, I even look at, frankly, Anthony Davis, whose praises we were singing earlier in the week, but look at the playoff point pattern. And this is something that Phoenix can't afford from either Booker or Durant. But here's Davis in the playoffs, 22 points, 13 points, 31-12, 31-16, 30, and last night all of 11 points. Yeah. He rides the roller coaster. You can't win titles that way, and the Lakers won't beat Golden State unless he can consistently deliver the kind of performance that he gave in game one. There's no reason that he shouldn't be the dominant player on the floor. James and Curry kind of cancel out each other. Uh, Davis was outplayed by, badly outplayed by Draymond Green last night. Badly, and that play. that should not happen. Obviously, we know Draymond Green is a phenomenal defender and and all of that, but that should not happen. But my my point is Davis. here that in Game One, Murray outplayed Booker, and in Game Two, in my opinion, Gordon outplayed Durant. And in both games, Nikola Jokic outplayed DeAndre Ayton. Well, by that's a given, almost that, that, comical margins. Given. And when you talk that's about like riding that that roller coaster, that's one of the things with the Nuggets. And especially with, with Jokic, his sort of a, you know, Charles Barkley, I think I alluded to it, and he's obviously been rather effusive in his praise of Jokic over the years. But the thing about Jokic that I think keeps him from a lot of people from the greatness being noticed is just he's not, he's a metronome. It's not necessarily flashy. Now, he certainly has flashy passes, but. Every night, you're going to get a, an efficient offensive performance. Uh, he, in that first game, he shot 42.9% for him. That's terrible. Well, that was nine for 21. Right. Which isn't it's not all necessarily that terrible. And even when you, you do have a, a bad shooting game, as he did in the closeout game in game five, where he did go eight for 29, that was terrible. But he had 28 yeah. points, 17 boards, and 12 right. assists. Right. 
So who cares? He scored in a couple blocks and a couple right. steals. Right. So you you get this. Jokic's presence on the floor gives you, pun not intended, a floor. You know there is a certain amount of performance that you will get every night if Nikola Jokic is on the floor. And his and now floor you build is on. still higher than the ceiling of Aiton. Unquestionably. I think right? so. Yes. I, I his think worst game is better than Is considered a good game. game. I mean, look at the games he's had. You know, 39-16-5, 24-19-5. We talked about the triple-double in the closeout game, and that was on a bad shooting night. 43, 11, and 6, 20, 11, and 12, 27, 9, and 9, and even the, in the opener against Minnesota, when he went for 13, 14, and 16, or pardon me, 13, 14, and 6, that'd be a, we'd, talk, we'd be talking about how DeAndre Ayton played a pretty good game. Oh, one of his best games. So you're exactly right. The, the bare minimum you can presume to get from Jokic, and especially given the first two games of this series against Aiton, is probably better than what Aiton the, can produce. The, the impressive thing to me, among many, about Jokic, but the thing I always come back to, is that guys who may have been his equal early on, been able to match him in a head-to-head setting, can't do it anymore. And the two guys I think of are Towns and Aiton. Right. Who actually who had the size actually and physicality. happened to be playing against the Nuggets in the playoffs this year. One thing I, I'm not sure of, and George and I discussed it on our podcast, Truth and Basketball, earlier this afternoon at uh, Big Bill's New York Pizza, by the way. Oh, all right. Which was uh, packed as usual. Oh, that on a Friday lunch afternoon, hour. yeah. Uh we bandied about the question, and again, we're looking ahead, but we're talk show hosts. We can do that. Yeah. The Nuggets you and I aren't playing. Right. No, we're not playing. Against whom would you rather play if you're Nikola Jokic? Draymond Green or Anthony Davis? Draymond Green. I'd say... I'd rather play against Anthony Davis because I think Anthony Davis is one of those guys who used to give Jokic fits. He including did. Including in the bubble. He most certainly but did. no longer plays with anything resembling the consistency with which Jokic plays. And when Davis doesn't play, he doesn't really play on either end of the court. When he plays great, he's great all around. I view Draymond Green as being not physically more capable defensively, but psychologically being able to cope with the fact that Jokic's numbers are always going to be better than his. And his triple doubles are more like 10, 10, and 10. And Jokic's triple doubles are more like 25, yeah, 15, and 15, 12. And 10 to 12. Okay. Green can take that. Davis will shrink up and blow away. Green can do to Davis what he did last night, I believe, more than once. And I actually think Green creates more problems than Looney does, whether Looney's sick as he was last night, still played pretty well. 
because he was used right by Steve Kerr, a great coach. Or, or when Looney was perfectly healthy in the first game and got a ton of rebounds, but Davis, he was just too slow to guard Davis. Now, we said the other day, Green might be too small to handle Davis when Davis wants to play. Um, where Davis's mind was last night is anybody's guess, but Green was definitely the primary defender against Davis last night. Looney didn't play that many minutes because he didn't have to. He played a few, played 12 minutes, I think. And they said they could have played him 20, but they certainly couldn't play him more than that due to his illness and virus or something like that. But Green was the primary defender, and I thought Green had him totally psyched out. Green had him doing what Towns was doing against the Nuggets in the first round. He wouldn't go to the basket shooting fadeaways against Draymond Green or any smaller defender that the Warriors might have on him at times when Green wasn't in the game or wasn't defending him exclusively. And I just I I think small works better against Jokic than tall works against Jokic. Well, at this point, to the extent that anything works well at all against Jokic, I think I take small over tall. Let's go back. Let's, let's look at these two guys in the last 10 games. Nikola Jokic versus Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic versus Draymond Green. That takes us back to the 2020 season. I think that that's, that's probably far enough back to take a look at it and say that's a current version of these two players, right? The beauty of it, if you're the Nuggets, is it doesn't much seem to matter. The last 10 against Anthony Davis, Jokic averages 24.3 points, 11.4 boards, and 6.4 assists. That's pretty solid <laughs> while shooting 53.4% from the field. In the last 10 against Draymond Green, 27.3 points, that's more. 12.2 rebounds, that's more. 7.1 assists, that's more. And that's with shooting 53.6%. The only difference is the Nuggets beat the Lakers. They didn't beat the Warriors. But Jokic against Certainly either of those two guys, this, you know, since fully formed MVP caliber Jokic, neither one of those guys does all that much to slow him down anymore. But one team beats him, and the other team really doesn't. But that has it, something at least to, in the playoffs. That certainly has something to do with teammates as well, though. Well, yeah. I, I now, just there is a concern I just for think, me with Draymond. That I, I don't gets think under it's a wide skin. margin, but listen, it, it, I, I I just think Golden State is the more dangerous team. I agree with that. Matching up with the Nuggets, and I think a large part of what makes them that way is not Curry, is not Thompson, uh, it, but more to me, Wiggins and Draymond. By the way, against DeAndre Ayton in his last 10, 28.8, 14.4, and 6.2 assists well, uh, while shooting 53%. So, in other words, against everybody, until against the primary defender left in this playoffs, Jokic pretty much ends up with the same thing. Yeah, but the team doesn't end the up. The question is how, how the team plays right. around it. Right. But, and, but the idea is what you will get from Jokic is like clockwork. No matter who the defender but is, it, no matter who, I mean, it, that's, see, that part the is the difference have to, build to me, it. though, is that Anthony Davis is, to me, and I know he's won a title, but Green's won four. Mm -hmm. or Green's been on four 
championship teams, and I'm not saying he's the primary driver. He doesn't say that behind those four championships, but he's part of the core with Thompson and Curry. Those are the three guys who've been around for all four. Durant was not around I for all four. I might argue that Draymond Green might be more important than Clay Thompson in that run. Well, he might be uh, their okay. second best player behind that's, only Steph Curry. Right. I mean, the Clay Thompson before the knee injury was probably uh, more pretty, indispensable pretty right. than, than Green. But since the knee injury, you know, Clay Thompson can have a game like the one he had last night, but he probably won't shoot that well in the next one. Draymond Green doesn't care if he's playing at home or on the road. Nope. Uh, it, 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 I mean, he can have a bad game, but it's just as likely to be in San Francisco as it is on the road. Uh, I I just think with, with Green, and listen, Green is not as talented as Davis, but Davis is an underachiever. Green is an overachiever. And I think overachievers, even if they're smaller, do better against Jokic because their ego isn't attached to trying to match him statistically. Davis doesn't even want to call himself a center. Right. Because he doesn't Good really point. want to compete he doesn't want to with play Jokic. That now, way. has he hit big shots like that three-pointer that won a key playoff game in the bubble against the Nuggets? Sure. Sure. But that was 2020, no fans, and the Lakers being driven by LeBron and Davis staying healthy and the weirdness of, of the bubble, I think came down. And I said this during the week, I've been reading Ben Golliver's fine book called bubble ball, Mm -hmm. which is as good an examination of what happened in 2020 in the NBA leading up to the bubble, uh, during the bubble and a lot of inside stuff from a guy who was there. One of the few reporters who was there right throughout many reporters were shuffled in and out and replaced he stayed the whole time. There were only a handful of reporters who had that kind of access who were there the whole time. And you know, his feeling on, on the Lakers was that LeBron, more than anybody else, handled the circumstances better in the bubble than any other player, and it wasn't even close. Uh, the Bucks were divided because of the Kenosha shooting. Right. And... and there was a, the Bucks were considered one of the favorites, certainly to come out of the East, and they got beaten by Miami, much as they did this year. But that James psychologically handled it better. But James now, more than he did in 2020, needs Davis game after game, and they're not quite getting that. Davis's overall numbers, both when James was hurt at the end of the regular season and during the playoffs, have been sensational, but at least his scoring has fluctuated between 10 points and 30 points, 31 points, whatever. It, 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 you know, it, the thing I always found most admirable about Alex English was that he averaged 28 points because he scored pretty much right around 28 points right, every right. game. It wasn't 40 points one night and 16 the next. Yes. And... That, that part of it is also part of Aiton's game without as high a ceiling. Uh, Aiton can find it. He's, he's sort of all over the place when it comes to scoring. There are games when he can, he can look kind of dangerous. Yeah, he averages are... 18, but how many times does he score 17, 18, 19 points? Not that often. It's more than 18 or less than 18 by three or four points on either side, generally speaking. 
And I know Shaq, I mentioned this earlier in the week, is more of an Andre uh, DeAndre Ayton fan than even the other people on that panel. Yes. Uh, particularly Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley. And, and tends to defend Ayton as an 18-12 guy because that's what he averages. I mean, that's what he is. Well, he had 10-6 yes. and six the other night. So Shaq is saying at halftime, oh, he's going to get 20-12. and 12. And I'm saying, no, he's not. He's not even consistent half to half, quarter to quarter. Right. He's not he's not consistent that way. So just because he has ten and six at halftime doesn't mean you just double that and figure that will be his his game total. You don't even do that with Jokic. Because Jokic tends to play better in in the second half, particularly close games, when he's called on to play a lot, he raises his game. I mean, there are two players in the fourth quarter in this league this year. I think consistently produced in the fourth quarter. One was De'Aaron Fox, and the other was Nikola Jokic. I mean, I, go, I go back and look at bad fourth quarters that either one of them had, at least during the regular season. And I, I, I don't think Fox was the same in the series with Golden State after he broke his finger. I, I, he played with it. It was on his left hand, his left index finger, I believe, the tip of his left index mm-hmm. finger. I think it affected him dramatically. I, I dramatically. So he wasn't as good in the fourth quarter after he broke his finger. But up until that point, both in the regular season and the playoffs, he was great in the fourth quarter. Jokic is always great in the fourth quarter. Uh, when we talked about Alex earlier this week, uh, Alex was great in the fourth quarter. I always wanted Alex to take the last shot. So did the Nuggets, for obvious reasons. And I, I, I think when you break down... What happens right now? And it's, I, I get why it's, it is easy to look ahead. But at the same time, you know, you, you've, you've talked about this, Sandy, and we'll have, we'll have an opportunity to talk about it with uh, Coach George Carl in, in just a couple moments. But it is important to remember that Phoenix is still talented. Phoenix is still dangerous. And you've said it yourself. wouldn't totally shock you if Phoenix won both of these no, games. It, 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 it would came back to Denver 2-2. Two two. I'd still say it was Denver's series. Just instead of best of seven, it'd be best of three with two of the games in Denver. That, that, that's all. I think the Nuggets are psychologically equipped to handle that, but I think the more likely scenario is that the games are split. Which would obviously be a great fit for the Nuggets. Uh, the, post, the push for the postseason is on. Hockey and hoops make it all count the spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager all in the same day, so you just do it all at once. $250. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll have an opportunity to speak to Coach George Carl next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Denver Nuggets take on the Phoenix Suns tonight in Game 3 of their Western Conference semifinal series. They are up 2-0 to zero and have won both games in very different, distinct fashion. Now, by the way, of course, these Suns don't have... Chris Paul joining us uh, in just a few will be Coach George Carl to talk about that. You can uh, 
Uh, follow the coach, by the way, on Twitter at CoachCarl22. And make sure you give uh, Truth Plus Media a look as well. I'll just tell you about that before he uh, joins us. Truth Plus Media, podcast on sports, leadership, human performance. You can find them at truthplusmedia.com, Apple, mm-hmm. Spotify, Google, YouTube. But, of course, the man sitting next to me, Santa Clough, uh, hosts the new basketball podcast with him, Truth and Basketball, which you can find everywhere. He's in partnership with uh, Mile High Sports. Yes, and we have to introduce George a bit differently now that along with being a Naismith Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. he is a Colorado Sports Hall of Famer. That's right. That's right. So uh, congratulations, uh, Coach Carl. Thank you for joining us, as always, for the Nuggets. They obviously have won uh, the two games and at home, but it's it's the manner in which they've won them, two very different games. And now the fact that the Suns don't have Chris Paul, I, I guess I would ask you, what do you expect to see from the Suns to adjust? And is there anything that the Nuggets haven't shown they can do to counter it in the first two games? I think Monty Williams has uh, got to find somebody that can score along with Booker and uh, Durant. I just think Denver's defense against those two guys uh, without others having a factor in the game, uh, whatever Aiton or uh, Sandy and I talked about Ross and a few yeah. other kids. And now uh, Warren. And Warren. I mean, yeah, those guys are have scored big numbers in the NBA. They, I mean, they lost the game. Denver won the game because they w- were better defensively and were in control of the game right. because of their defense. And and what I love about Denver right now is they are—they have more ways to win games than I think any other team that remains. Their their bench, especially Bruce Brown, is playing tremendous basketball. Uh, the Kristen Brown kid is giving them solid ten minutes of defense. And old man Jeff Green is—you uh, know—he's serviceable right now, yeah, doing he well. Is. But and you know. Uh, you know, C- I mean, CKP uh, made some big threes in game one. Uh, they're, they're all kind of contributing. Aaron Gordon has been solid. I mean, he doesn't stop Durant, but he gives Durant some trouble. Yep. So my, my, my feeling right now is I think you just go get your team ready, make one or two small adjustments, and kind of read early in the game what Phoenix is trying to do. Because it's, I mean, they lost two in a row, which puts them in a, they got, they got to find some adjustments, and then they lose their point guard. That's a big hole. And, you know, the home court will help them. The energy of the building will help them. But he's got to find some answers that weren't there in the first two games. Whether they find that third score or not, doesn't it come down to whether Booker and Durant can score right around 80 points, Coach? <laughs> I mean, as ambitious as that may seem, isn't that the mandate? Uh, whether they play 40 minutes, 45 minutes, they're going to play at least 40 and probably more than that. But they got to get 80 points out of product, uh, from uh, the production of both those guys, don't they? I think I said 70, but now it's 80. But, I mean, it. It's got to be a big number. Yeah. So I think mean, I think right now, Monty, I don't think he can afford to play a fast game. I think he wants to play more of a possession game, 
And if they if they can run and score in open court, fine. But you can't let you can't let Denver put up 110 or 120. <laughs> right. Because I just don't think I don't think teams can put that much up. The expectation then, if they're going to slow it down, one of the things that I suspected we might see, especially given that they really have only had the two reliable scores, is maybe a little bit of the two-man game between Booker and Durant, who rarely uh, leave the the floor at any point now at this stage. Do you expect them to do something like that, or do you expect them to actually try to spin uh, this offense out into something else in sort of an effort to find that third scorer tonight? I think early in the game, you got to you got to you got to experiment a little bit with trying to find Cameron Payne or or Ross or or they have a I think Danny Lee is a really good yeah. shooter off their bench. They got to find someone else to go with Aiton because if they get four or five players playing at a good level, then they can finish and maybe win a game. But if if you're searching for those players, and you're just asking two guys to beat the Denver Nuggets, I don't think that would, I I would think that might be the game plan for me in the fourth quarter. But the first three quarters, I think Monty Williams has got to find some answers. Monty Williams uh, in Phoenix has a six twenty eight winning percentage. Uh, going back to his first year in 2019-2020. Michael Malone has a winning percentage in Denver of 576. Um, in the playoffs, though, Malone in Denver, 27-28. and 28. Williams in Phoenix, 27-25. and 25. Obviously, neither has won a championship. But it, it, does it strike you, uh, in the first two games at least of this series, that Malone seems more connected and in sync with his team than Williams seems connected and in sync with his. Completely and totally. I have no idea why he is experimenting with young guys that haven't really proven themselves with Warner. You know, the two guys on the bench, Ross and Warner, have, have scored 40 points in games. But... I, he knows his team probably better than I do. I think Coach Malone and the organization and Jokic have done a, the best job they've done since they've been here in the construction of the roster, the integrating in the, the roster, having insurance policies in the roster. Uh, I don't think he's using a deep bench, but I still think he has guys that if someone would get hurt, he can go to that he feels comfortable with. And then Jokic, I said, you know, today I said there are three guys in basketball that make people and their teams better. Steph Curry, LeBron James, and Nikola Jokic. And I think the guy that's doing it the best is Jokic. Jokic, I think, has brought, I think having Murray play as well as he's playing right now, is a compliment, I'm sure, to many people. I'm sure it's a compliment to the training. People in, on the Nuggets, Malone has done a good job mentally probably with them. The front office has done a good job. But the guy that is really sacrificed is Jokic knows he needs Murray to play well. And I really admire that in a, in a superstar like Jokic. So now what is the challenge for the Nuggets? Obviously, there's this temptation when you've won this first two and you're playing a team without their, uh, without you know, future Hall of Famer 
to maybe ease off a little bit. And Phoenix seems dangerous enough that you definitely want to kick them while they're down. Uh, what is How much of, of this is coaching and how much of it is the players making sure that, that they focus and make sure they do uh, follow up what Nikola Jokic said? Instead of stealing one, why not two? Well, you know, I don't, I don't think you want to get into it. When you're up 2-0, you just want to do your job. Go out, and you have two wins in your pocket. You did some things really good in game one. Game two, you won because more of a, a defensive, gritty, tough-minded win, which I like. Uh, and I think you just don't want to let down. And you, what, you're, what you're leaning to for talking about is basketball is human nature. Play it when you win, you probably get a little too arrogant. And when you lose, you're probably a, little, a, lot, a lot more desperate. Phoenix is going to be desperate. How we match that desperation tonight will be what I would like to see. Do I want to win? Hell yeah, I'd like to win. I'd like to get the 3-0 and, and really put a lot of pressure on Phoenix in game four. But I just don't want to let that. I just don't want to, a kind of game like the Lakers played last yes. night against Gold State. Or Philadelphia played against Boston. Right. I don't want that game. I want it to be a fourth-quarter game. And make Booker and make Durant be superstars, and they win. Okay, we walk off and we try to get Game Four. Uh, right now, I know I know you want to dream about having a short series, but the whole thing comes down to is we should just worry about tonight's game and making it a, a basketball game. That if we lose, it's because Phoenix played an A game. I want to ask you something uh, that we didn't quite get to during the podcast, but uh, occurred to me this week about how offense is played, not only in the NBA regular season now, but to an extent in the playoffs, at least when it's played well on offense. And Marcus Smart of Boston uh, talked about the Boston offense the other day. And um, I want to see how this quote strikes you. If you're, this is what Marcus Smart said, if you're moving around and you create randomness, they, as in the opponents, don't know what's going on. Heck, the Celtics don't even know. How can we guard that, says the opponent, parenthetically. Makes it harder to scout when you can go out there and say, we're going to pass, screen, and cut and not run any plays. Doesn't that sound like um, the offense that a certain college coach you played for ran and a certain NBA coach with whom you coached uh, also popularized? Yeah, it sounds like today's passing game. Yes. I mean, today's passing game has more dribble in it than Doug Moe or, or Dean Smith's passing game had. That passing game was ball movement and body movement with spacing. Today's game now allows for spacing first and giving the ball room to create a defensive mistake. Sometimes that's a pick and roll. Sometimes that's a handback. Sometimes that's a pin down. Sometimes that's a back screen. It comes in different packages, but it's all about spacing and allowing the ball to attack the defense and then move the ball to the open man. 
or get a get move the ball to the weak side and get a rim, get get a penetration on on the rim. And it's kind of we called it when I was here in Denver. We called it. We want to get in flow. We want to get in yes. rhythm of the game. Yes. And and the thing that's changed a great deal in the last five to seven years is spacing has become extremely important. Most players, most teams in the NBA have five out. I personally like four out more than five out. And we played the last couple of years after the mellow trade, we played an offense that was four out and basically a similar offense. We just want the ball to have room to make a play. If you don't have that play, then maybe swing the ball, maybe run a pick and roll. Or maybe just give a hand back or a pin down in your game. It's very random, but it also takes a high basketball IQ to play. And I, 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 I just call it today's passing game. And, and you got about 75% of all NBA teams are running that type of offense right now. He is George Carl. You can follow him on Twitter at CoachCarl22, of course. And Truth Plus Media is where you can find out everything that he's putting together, the podcast, Truth and Basketball, with podcast the podcast is up, by uh, the way. And right Sandy, now. that you guys recorded today, already up there. So you can get that uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, Amazon, you name it. So go check that out. Coach, uh, really appreciate it. This is going to be a very interesting weekend for the Nuggets. Uh, terrific to have your insight. Thank you. I can't wait till tonight. That's good. I wish it was 7.45 right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll get there soon enough. Thanks, Coach. Okay, guys. Thank you. Bye, bye. Thanks, All Coach. Right, thanks. Uh, I, I kind, I kind of feel him there. I kind of get, I kind of get it. I kind of share it. The difference, of course, is uh, well, we can't do that because then we'd skip our last segment. That's right. So we'll tell you That's what right. we think is going to happen when you're talking about Game Three, and even we'll look to head towards Game Four. We'll do that to close things out next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Oh, it's Friday. You made it. Happy single mile. Careful out there uh, with the fun night out and about. I'm sure there'll be quite a gonna be quite a night. You got the nuggets, you have single mile, it's gonna be Friday, it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. And uh obviously we got a good breakdown of what to expect here. From Coach Carl just a, a little bit ago. And, and, and Sandy, so we look at now this game three tonight. And it, it does it does feel as if it's hard, it's hard to actually believe I'm saying this a little bit like Minnesota, that if Phoenix doesn't get it together tonight, this might be a sweep. So this has got sure. to be Phoenix's sure. best game of the series. Yep. Is there a, they have a lot of room for growth? Yes, obviously. That's a very nice way of putting it. A lot of room for growth. My question for you is, do they do it? Do, do you think that Phoenix has enough in them with all of what we've talked about to remake the way they play on the fly tonight and defeat a Denver Nuggets team that has seemed to have their number no matter what they've done in the first two games? I, I do think Phoenix will win tonight uh, for many of the same reasons I thought Minnesota would win game three. Uh, 
I, I I'm hesitant, especially at at this point in the NBA playoff season, to pick sweeps. Phoenix is down, but they haven't lost a home game yet. Mm-hmm. And I I'm curious, very curious, to see how Phoenix reacts, and if Phoenix plays better, can the Nuggets raise their game? Uh, the Nuggets were good on defense and great on offense in game one. Uh, they were at best ordinary on offense and great on defense in game two. If they're required to be at least excellent on both ends of the floor tonight because Phoenix plays better, can they rise to that level Uh can they match, not the desperation, because you can't manufacture yeah, desperation, and Phoenix is desperate. And desperate can't always mean better. Sometimes it does. Desperate can make you worse, too. And I agree with George. The Nuggets just have to play their game and, and play well. And take the approach that uh, I think George took and, and Doug certainly not only took that approach, but he made it very clear uh, by his statements throughout the course of a season that they didn't really scout the opposition because in Doug's mind, it came down to how well the Nuggets played. And uh, an old coach of mine, a tennis coach, as a matter of fact, said concentrate on the essentials and thereby eliminate the non-essentials. And the essentials for the Nuggets have nothing to do with how well Phoenix plays. The essentials for the Nuggets are controlling how they play. And to use that word control or controlling, I think George's point in talking about Jokic, LeBron, and Steph being clearly the most proven leaders left in the playoffs. Uh, Tatum hasn't won a title yet with the Boston Celtics. Embiid hasn't won with the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Miami hasn't won with Jimmy Butler, as great as Jimmy Butler's been. And Jimmy Butler is, by the way, expected to come back for game three of that series back in Miami, tied at 1-1 with the Knicks. Uh, Brunson with the Knicks, great addition, but not a champion. Right. At least not yet. So, of those three, I think Jokic has the most control over his team and how it plays. Even more than LeBron, even more than Steph. That is a... They are great players, but in terms of controlling how the team plays, Mm -hmm. that's why I believe, if not every single year, then over the last three years collectively, Nikola Jokic has been the best and most valuable basketball player on the face of the earth. For uh, tonight, I, I'm inclined to agree with you insofar as I, I do believe that Phoenix finds a way to win this just because they are immensely talented. They are very, that they, made this trade for Kevin Durant for these moments, and I think they will get, they will be the hungrier team and the more desperate team. But I think by the time we get to game four, I think the Nuggets are going to win that one. I think this is coming back to Denver with the Nuggets up three to one. I agree. 
Uh, I, I agree. That's my view of it. Now, uh, in the Minnesota series, uh, Minnesota played quite a bit better in game four than it did in game three. Uh, but I still haven't figured out Minnesota exactly. I, I think Phoenix, they, their best two players are so much better than Minnesota's best two players. Certainly, Anthony certainly. Edwards, oh my gosh, great young close. talent. But right. Who's number two? Gobert, Towns. Right. Uh, you know, come on. Uh, and I think especially with Durant, we've seen in high-pressure circumstances, we've seen him deliver. Um, but, again, apart from his years in Golden State, he has not won a title, even though he has been at times even more brilliant individually than than he was in Oakland uh, during those years. And I I think he'll play great tonight, and it might be good enough to get him a game. But I don't think, even if he plays great tonight and great on Sunday, that Phoenix will win too. We shall find out soon enough. Of course, game three is tonight. Tip offset at 8 p.m. Uh, the Nuggets find themselves in a remarkable position. Can they take advantage of it? We'll see. Thanks to Coach George Carl for joining us, of course. We're going to hand things off to our friends at Afternoon Drive, Cody Rourke and Anilo Piro. Uh, Danny Bailey's the man in the booth that makes all of it work. Thanks to everyone who listened on the Mile High Sports app that's always free and crystal clear on demand or at MileHighSports.com. We'll be back on Monday. Have a safe and enjoyable weekend. We'll catch you then. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Keep it here on Mile High Sports. Feeling